Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. Chris Cresswell of the Flatliners and Hot Water Music has spent the majority of his life on the road. And while he's adapted to a touring lifestyle with years of practice, he's familiar with the anxieties that come with it and the adjustments he has to make back home, away from the constant kinetic energy of punk show after punk show after punk show. Often exhausted and overwhelmed when he gets back from a tour, Chris has learned ways to decompress and find some quiet reprieve. Yet his guitar and his need to write songs beckons. It's what makes him feel like him. It's his therapy. Loved ones at home and his band members on the road have created a support system for Chris. It carries him through the longest, hardest tours. The highs and lows of being a touring punk musician, or a musician in general, can be a rocky ride. Chris's posy attitude and self-care practices are a deciding factor in his mental health. My name is Chris Cresswell. I sing and play guitar in the Flatliners and Hot Water Music. And I have, for many, many years, toured in bands. So I am no stranger to the panic and anxiety of a very strange way of life. And you've written about having anxiety attacks. Are those usually on the road or do they filter into your off-road life as well? Typically, you know, what's strange is that maybe just in more recent years or a recent year of finally getting back on the road after a break, was that I oddly feel at peace in the chaos of touring. It took me a while to get to that point, and I don't know if that's a necessarily healthy way of living, <laughs> to be honest, but it's my reality, you know what I mean? I think when I, a few years ago, was faced with like every touring musician or everyone who travels for work, like all this extra time at home, it was terrifying at first because I didn't know what was to come. And then that element of what's to come really set into complete uncertainty, but it was a little eerie and it was at certain points honestly like it was a little freeing not having to be away all the time to be home yeah. was really nice but i think with touring there's a little bit of structure in that like you have a place you're going every day even if you don't have a show that day like you still have a place you're staying for the night or whatever but so much of this stuff is out of our control anyways but like there's this facade of an itinerary that we're sticking to and plans that we've made and those things are true but 
so much of life on the road and just touring in general is like that element of chaos that anything can happen and it probably will happen. It's not maybe necessarily that I feel comfort in that, but it's that I'm so used to that at this point that recently I've just found like when I'm out there, it feels liberating to like be there to do that thing again of playing shows because that really makes me feel the most like myself, I think is the greater thing about it. Maybe why it's been such a positive experience. Having routine, no matter how chaotic the environment is, is a huge thing for mental health. And not having routine, maybe for some folks, can be really tough. So having that itinerary where you have, you know, here's when the doors open, here's the sound check, here's where you're having dinner. Yep. Even though it is chaotic, it's also very positive. Absolutely. I mean, it can also be Groundhog Day. There can be four months of touring or do where, like, it's just the same thing every day. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to paint a picture like it's a zoo or whatever, but it's uh, it's just a strange way to live. And I think partly because like you're away from home, you're away from some of the people you love. If you're lucky, you're on the road with people you love as well. At the end of the day, like it's an extremely fulfilling thing emotionally for me and for a lot of people who do it because I get to go on stage and perform the music that I've written with people I love for people who want to be there. That is truly beautiful and so like gratifying. You've been doing this for a long time, since you were quite young. You think out of the years that you've been doing it, what percentage you've actually been on the road and traveling and playing punk shows? Have you thought about what that might be? You know what? I started to do the math when I was sitting around at home the last couple of years. <laughs> I, enjoyed, I, like, I started doing it, and I was like, I don't even want to know that number. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the majority of my life has been spent on the road, for sure. The Flats started touring when we were 17. After the band started two years before that, three years before that, maybe. Aside from the first couple years of the band's touring life, so now this is from 2005 onward, because the first couple years of touring was like, you know, we did like a couple tours. Once 2007 rolled around, like that's when life on the road became just life for all of us in the band. Like that's when we started the several years in a row of doing like between like eight and 10 months of the year on the road gnarly i can't even believe we did that i mean we were so young but like that's what you have to do right but holy shit it was ridiculous yeah so thinking back on those times how is it different than how you manage your stress and anxiety and mental health i don't know i think like when i was younger i just it wasn't a thing that i spent a lot of time considering to be totally honest i think i was in over my head with being in a band that was starting to tour a lot and playing with a lot of bands we really love, a lot of heroes of ours, we were able to befriend, which was a trip, of course. And I think it was just in over my head, wanting to just try to enjoy it as much as possible, but also show, like, I know we're young people in a band, in a new band, but we, we want to show you, like, kind of what we can do. And that's not how I thought about it then. Obviously, this is a bit of revisionist history, but, like, <laughs> I do believe that's how I felt. I don't know how I would have described it back then. But I know that that's how I felt. And lucky for us, we were kids and we started and we did have a lot of people that took us pretty seriously early on, including those people in bands we loved, you know, and so looked up to. But I think it was just like, I was so excited about everything that I didn't really consider the fact like, yeah, like me being on tour for 10 months of the year, like, of course, that led to most relationships in my life taking a back seat or ending because I'm away. This is also like we're in an era of pre and early cell phone None of us had any money to use our Canadian phones outside of Canada. <laughs> we weren't super, super connected and had the ability to talk to anyone from anywhere at any moment. 
it was definitely exhilarating and thrilling and exciting, but also isolating, right? Those things are still the same, even though you can call anyone you've ever had their phone number of at any time of day from anywhere now. It's still pretty isolating. So I think it comes with age for me and recent experience of how much life has changed in the last while. And it's a bit tired, I suppose, but it's true. Like you get to a certain age and you're kind of like, okay, like my responsibilities shift now. I'm not a parent, but I have like pets. You know what I mean? I know there's a difference. So people out there with kids are like, you asshole. It's not, <laughs> not the same, but I have pets. I'm married. My wife and I have pretty busy lives. Whatever your things are that add up, I think over the years, it changes you. and It informs your day-to-day life and it informs your day-to-day feeling. All those things just like add up to a very busy life. And every once in a while, dad will knock you on your ass. Yeah. And what does that look like for you? The fatigue and exhaustion of the whole thing or? Yeah. It usually starts with me like anticipating a lot of things coming up and then me getting overwhelmed while I'm exhausted from doing a lot of things already on the road or whatever it is. And then I'll have like a day or two where I'm just doing nothing. I got nothing in my brain. I am empty from the teeth up and I just have to like shut it down and like recharge There's also this social element of everything I do can be a pretty like taxing thing, just energy wise. While I'm out there on the road, like it's just par for the course and it feels normal and it's part of it. And then I get home and when everything stops, I realize like, oh, wow, my wife is out of the house and work or whatever. I'm like, I haven't talked to anyone today. If I'm texting someone, yeah, that's texting. If I'm like speaking to my dog or my cat at home, (laughs) like that's that. Those first few days I get home from tour, sometimes now I even by design, I'll kind of like shut everything down. I'm not going to really have a lot of output today. I'm just going to be filling my cup back up. Yeah. Sounds a bit like a freight train that just has to come to a screeching halt after taking its trip. Pretty much, man. It's like a huge water tank that like bit by bit every day on the road or out or whatever, it's just being emptied. And then at a certain point, you got to fill it up again. So I just got to wait it out because it's a pretty big tank. When you're writing music, do you find that you are expelling those feelings when you come back with that kind of crash and just trying to build yourself back up again? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because writing music takes so much energy, but it's my life. You know what I mean? So during those days, if I'm like, yeah, if I've just come home from tour and I'm exhausted, I'm just kind of like, I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to wait. Working on music helps a lot with that. Sometimes I'll come home from the road, you know, and so then that means that I'll have just played guitar every day for X amount of days. And then between tours, maybe there's a few days where I'm just catching up on real life stuff at home, not having the opportunity to maybe play guitar every day. During those few days, if I'm in the process of, you know, recharging my batteries, whatever, but I'm not playing guitar, there is still a strange feeling in me where I'm like, I don't really feel like myself. The moment I pick up a guitar and play for a couple of minutes, I feel like I'm back. So music really helps. Yeah, it does take a lot of energy and emotional and, and otherwise, but I think that especially like lyrically speaking, I have never been one to write lyrics about the stuff that I think rocks. You know what I mean? (laughs) So usually it's the opposite. Usually it's the stuff that I don't understand that I'm frustrated by that I basically just exercising the demon. That's helped a lot over the years. Like I can only imagine where I'd be maybe with mental health and just in life if I didn't have that outlet or if I just didn't exercise that outlet as much as I do. If anyone's read my lyrics over the years, my lyrics are no stranger to like the darkness of just life in general. 
most of the things people are putting out on the internet about their own life is just a complete fabrication. You know what I mean? Or it's just that it's carefully curated to show the good stuff. I can't dog on that too much. I do it. Everyone does it. You do get something positive out of that, but it's a dangerous way to live if that's the sole way you are living because there are bad parts of the human existence. <laughs> it's okay to have a day where you feel like shit. It's okay to feel sad and to be angry. If you are riding high top of the serotonin train every day of just being like super happy, like, I don't know what happens then. That seems dangerous. These emotions exist so we can level ourselves out, I think. I mean, man, when we were making our new record, when I was writing the lyrics, especially to New Ruin, the new Flats record, I finally had that time without touring, you know, on the horizon for a couple of years there to really like take in what was happening in the world around me and like sit in that super uncomfortable feeling and see how it made me feel and then write about it. And through that, I think I understand more of how I am, right? And how I view the world. I don't necessarily understand more of how the world works. I'm not trying to say that. <laughs> None of us do, I don't think. <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly. But, you know, I think I understand more about how I perceive the world. It was the first time in a long time that our songs weren't about what was happening in my life, what was happening in my head, what was happening in the lives of people directly surrounding me. Some of the songs are, but most of them are not with the new record. So it was interesting to kind of see how instead of my exact surroundings would always inform my lyrics. And those surroundings were usually the kind of darker parts of existence and stuff like that. And just trying to duke it out in my brain and write about it. And then hopefully I feel better about it. It was in addition to that, it was like the world in general. Again, I think I'm lucky to have that outlet. There's no right or wrong in what I'm doing. It's still just my opinion on what is happening around me, but at least it's not me holding in all this frustration about how embarrassing it's been to be a human being the last few years, especially, and then it coming out at the wrong moment on someone who doesn't deserve that kind of outburst. I can focus it into music, and that feels good. It's funny how you mentioned writing about dark material and tackling subjects that are difficult. I was interviewing one of your bandmates from Hot Water Music, Chris Wallard, and I was asking oh, yeah. about, you guys have always been so positive with your songs. You come out the other side of things. And, and he's like, I don't think I'm positive at all in my music. He's like, I'm just writing about shit that I, bugs me or like stuff that I can't tolerate. And it's funny because no matter how positive something can sound sometimes, and I think Flatliners, your other band, falls into that as well, that positivity and that energy comes from a lot of hurt and a lot of struggle. And that's a big part of punk rock. 100% it is. You know what? A guy like Chris Wallard, he's a huge reason as to why I've written the way I write lyrically because Hobbiter Music are a band that I've grown up on. light at the end of the tunnel but through that tunnel is a lot of struggle it's interesting waller says he's frustrated or he's writing about the stuff similar to what i've said you're getting stuff off your chest it helps so much because the times i've spent with waller he's a pleasure to be around in my perception he, he seems to be a pretty positive guy 
when we were making Feel the Void together last year, like for me, it was a great time for so many reasons. And one of the main ones was that I finally had an extensive amount of time to spend with Wallard because all the times I'm out on the road with Hot Water, he's obviously not there, right? Yeah. Because of the new kind of situation with the band. So that was really great. And I had a blast with him. So much fucking fun working on this record with him and all the guys. It was special to have that time with him. But I think because he's able to get this stuff off his chest, I'm kind of applying how I feel about what I do maybe to maybe what he's doing, which I guess isn't exactly fair. But (laughs) (laughs) But I think maybe people in our position, I should put it this way, it's just that outlet is is so important to get that stuff off your chest. So it doesn't impede more maybe on your daily life. We get to think about how all these things affect us. And now in that, I think there's a long period of time where it gestates and it really picks you apart (laughs) and it eats at you. But then in the end, you come up with something positive, which is music. And you can come up with a position on it, which is a song. I know it's a little corny, but I think it's beautiful. Like it's definitely probably saved a lot more lives than we realize. If it's saving folks, then the more the merrier. Let's get it out there and let's help you having a hard time, you know, marginalized folks that are looking for something that's gonna speak to them. Queer youth who 100%. through the years have had a hard time finding things that speak to them. And yeah, it's pretty cool. Let's just get it out yeah. there. Let's find the people that want to hear this new generation of punk bands who are very much informed and transformative in a lot of ways. What you just said is so true because with punk, it's always kind of been like about there being no rules or bending the rules, but there have been a lot of rules. I feel like in the punk world for a long time, what you said about like this new generation of very informed people like doing it and coming out with this amazing music with this amazing message and just, there's a really big feeling to me of, acceptance like be who you want to be you get to choose who you want to be you get to choose who you want to surround yourself with more than ever i feel like there's a really age of acceptance happening with the music in general it's not there for us to just apply rules to it and to say if it rules or that part of the punk world is pretty tired i think and also there's incredible bands that are singing about incredible things that are hopefully going to inform not only future generations, but older generations are listening to these new bands being like, oh, cool. You can sing about how homophobia sucks. Like, yeah, duh. <laughs> like, of course you can. That's just one example. Like, there are so many great young bands who are informed and they are really like using the platform they have, along with some fucking awesome music, to really like show people out there, like, yo, like, this is something we can all do together. We don't have to have these different umbrellas or these different sections or all these rules. Isn't music supposed to just be about fun? Can't we like talk about something that actually means something while we're having fun? I think that's pretty impactful. In the peer support community, which I'm part of with support groups and things like that, it's very clear that it's an even keel yeah. and we're here to support each other. And we're talking about these things. I mean, I think about bands like Spanish Love Songs who talk a lot about depression and coming out with our struggles and no one's looking down on us. We're all in the same boat. I think it's really amazing that punk rock over the years has transformed into a peer support system. And you don't see the guys with the spikes up on the stage yelling down at people as much. And nothing's wrong with that kind of spiky punk rock. But it was, I think, yeah, uh, it yeah. was kind of a top-down in some ways before and and i think 
especially in the last few years, it's really become a place where everybody can have their say and we're all here together. Absolutely, because I think, well, no one asks for this life and we all know that it's not always easy. So what makes it harder is keeping that stuff inside, especially when you have a microphone in your face. I love Spanish love songs. They do a great job of speaking to, you know, their version of the human condition. Surprise, surprise, for a band that tours a lot, life isn't all great. It's a struggle. It's difficult. It's a lot of work that can provide like the perfect storm for, I'm not speaking necessarily particularly or specifically about Spanish love songs, but in general, because I feel this way, that can sometimes brew this perfect storm of like, you have to struggle for your art. This was a bad thing that happened in my life. So I wrote a song about it. And then I sing that song now to help me get over what I went through. And now maybe I'm over it now. But now I sing that song every day on tour. And I'm reminded of that terrible thing that happened in my life that I decided to write about. I go back every day and sing the song about that thing that happened in my life that was meant to kind of help me move on, improve or whatever it is. And it's strange sometimes. It can really be a snake eating its tail. It can be a positive thing too, though. You can have that moment, I suppose, where you're thinking like, okay, I sing the song every day and it reminds me of where I've come from and like what I've gone through and what I've overcome. That's the positive end of it. The negative end of it is like, Jesus, I'm just digging up fucking ghosts every night on tour. (laughs) And I don't think you need to struggle for your art. I really don't. But I know that there have been times in my life where when I'm going through something, like I do write more. So somewhere deep down in my subconscious, I picture this corner of myself being like, well, let's just wait for something bad to happen because then at least we can write a song about it. Like it's when I really stop and think and break down like how I've written songs about what over the years, it's usually that the bad things that have happened in my life. Not all are cataclysmic. Like I said earlier, like it's not typical that I'm writing songs about the stuff that's cool. Yeah. (laughs) Cause then I just enjoy those moments. The material is coming from, within and the performance is coming outwardly so it makes sense that the stuff that we would write to express ourselves would be coming from internal turmoil try writing a song about being stoked it's kind of hard unless you're like a posse core band or whatever <laughs> yeah if i were to do that it would be so cheesy you know what i mean <laughs> i know people out there do it well i'm not trying to say they are doing cheesy but for me like i can't even imagine <laughs> i can't even imagine for me i want to express myself but i also want to help people with the Mm -hmm. things that I do. Mental health conditions begat the idea that, okay, so I'm struggling and I'm having a really hard time with my condition, but if I can help someone out, that's going to make me feel better and validate myself and and meet some other folks who are going through Mm -hmm. similar things. My hope is that folks that do struggle are able to reach out and help other folks because it is beneficial to both people in that case. I know when I was having a really hard time after my bipolar diagnosis, I just didn't know how to help myself. So all I could really do is try to help other folks. And eventually that kind of built. We're coming from dark places in our creative process, but to expel it and to get it out to people, that's maybe not the goal. The goal, I think, is expressing ourselves. But a secondary benefit would be helping others. It's an amazing byproduct. It really is. And It's funny to think that, okay, so sometimes when you're going through something and then you have someone in your life that's maybe going through something similar, so you are trying to offer up any kind of advice or anything, right? Just like a shoulder to cry on, whatever it is. I find that 
sometimes in those moments, if I'm the person there for someone else, the things that I'm saying to that other person to reassure them are things that I've never said or thought to myself. In that moment, I learned like, oh, I should apply what I'm saying to this person actually to my own life as well. Because I'm sitting here saying, I went through something like this. This helped me, blah, blah, blah. I at least don't stop. I do a little more now, but typically I don't stop and think like, okay, so what I have to do is I have to do this and I have to think this way and I have to breathe and I have to do that. It's that like sage wisdom, quote unquote, that you imparting on to someone else that we don't typically give to ourselves. We don't really like hold that kind of space for ourselves. We're just struggling in that moment of feeling the way we feel because it's so hard to see the other side of it when you're inside of that feeling. So helping others is you learn so much more about yourself in that. That's the key is being able to be kind to yourself. And they say, pretend that you're talking to your best friend. How would you talk to them? Would you be so hard on yourself? Would you be putting yourself down? It's super awkward to talk to yourself and say, hey, wait a second, be kind to yourself. Absolutely. If it's those moments where like, I am overwhelmed with life and just like riddled with anxiety, like there's so much noise in my head that I can't think straight. I can't think like that. I can't think like, oh, remember the good stuff. Lucky for me, I have great people in my life that are well aware of how strange of a life I lead in terms of traveling and being away and just kind of scheduling things. And it's usually like everything at once is kind of the way it is. That's why it can be very overwhelming. And I'm just a person. I'm not a robot who's been programmed to just exist at like the all-time high all the time. There are high highs and low lows in a lot of walks of life and I found those in mine. I think it's really cutting through that noise that's hard for me to do, but it's easier to do it when I'm speaking to someone else. In those moments, I think like, okay, I have to remember what I just said to them because I'm going to think about that and apply it to myself the next time I feel overwhelmed or I feel anxious or any of these things. That was my conversation with Chris Cresswell of The Flatliners and Hot Water Music. Theflatliners.com, hotwatermusic.com. I now have a Tee Public store where you can buy Scream Therapy merch. So head over to ScreamTherapyHQ.com, support the podcast, and get some fancy new duds. Big news over here in Scream Therapy land. The Scream Therapy book, Scream Therapy, A Punk Journey Through Mental Health, will be published this spring by Mansfield Press out of Toronto. The book features my story and the stories of others who use punk rock as a catalyst for mental health. To pre-order the book, go to ScreamTherapyHQ.com book. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Scream Therapy. I'm coming to you from Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohama Nation. Doing this podcast and talking to other folks living with mental health challenges has been a huge part of my journey. It means the world to me that you're out there listening. You can sign up for my newsletter and find more episodes at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. That's ScreamTherapyHQ.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk punk and mental health. 
Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care and be well. If you